the Intersection Education Podcast. Schools are the place where different institutions, services, and societal influences meet. In other words, they're at the intersection of children's lives. In the Intersection Education Podcast, we speak with insiders and outsiders of the education world to try to gain new insight and improve our schools. Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Intersection Education Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Haley. And today, instead of a guest, we are going to do another one of our summary and review episodes. We did this in our 20th episode, and we got a lot of good feedback saying that, hey, we don't have time to listen to every single episode. We wouldn't mind just a shorter episode, kind of summarizing many of the same, uh, some of the great things that was said in the previous episodes. Uh, I was trying to come up with what's a good interval with this, and I come I think I landed on about 10. And so I'm going to review today and kind of talk about some of the things that have stuck in my mind over the previous 10 episodes. And that takes us through the last three months, really. Um, Episode 21 through 30 have been a great end to the year. We've had some amazing guests who have really shared their expertise and it has um, really thought and contributed to my thinking and learning as as a teacher and as an educational leader. And so let's start off with number 21, and that was Dr. Jason Jay. Dr. Jason Jay wrote a book, he was a co-author of a book, called Breaking Through Gridlock. And, and what does that mean for teaching? Well, we always come up, or we often come up, against scenarios where um, we just don't think there's a way forward, where we are looking into the eyes of another person, and we're just not sure if we can move their thinking, or we just don't know if we can find a compromise. Well, Dr. J comes up and suggests some ways we might move forward with those difficult conversations. And the biggest thing that I think I took away from that was to find where you are uh, with this other person or this other party or organization, where you are similar. And oftentimes it relies on values. And so when you have this idea or this contentious um, idea, oftentimes we are looking for the same things way down deep in the value structure. So for instance, Dr. J is very involved in um, environment and and, uh, global climate change and uh, things like that. And he often comes up against people, okay, so what happens if uh, people who are perhaps um, not willing to talk about um, environmental climate change, what happens if we were both looking at the same thing? Well, what are you interested in? Well, we're interested in um, creating jobs. Well, so are we find that one thing and then say, okay, well, how might we create jobs? How might this work so that going forward, we're going to be able to both get what we want. And once we find that common value, um, we can kind of shift through that stuck position that we get into. Uh, and so I really did appreciate it. I actually think of my, uh, I think of our conversation with Jason Jay many times as I'm coming through and, and trying to find those common values when I'm, when I'm encountering a difficult situation. Our next episode, number 22, was with Jesse McLean and Travis McNaughton, and we we spoke quite at length about personalized learning. 
And I think that sometimes personalized learning gets really a bad rap. People believe that it's just some computer program that's going to, you know, spit out an algorithm and, and make people learn or kids learn. And that's really not what we talked about at all. We really talked about the importance of relationships and getting to know our students, about engaging our students in things that are meaningful to them and making curriculum come alive in different ways. And one of my favorite quotes of all time actually came in this episode and by uh, Jesse McLean. And he was talking about um, his experience with what they called Innovation Week. And that was where they gave students an entire week to just work on a project that they were really uh, passionate about. And he said, engagement's not enough. Engagement is not enough because if you only have engagement and you don't have learning then the thing that you were trying to do to promote learning just fell down. This idea, I love this idea that, yes, we absolutely need to get students engaged. We need to get them passionate about their learning. But if they walk away without advancing their skills, without new knowledge, without any of this new type of thing that we would would help that they would get in in an educational activity, then it's just not going to work. And so um, I really appreciated those two. Also, I I appreciated Travis's, um, some of the things that he was talking about in his master's research um, and some of the innovative programs that they're looking at creating. Again, if you want a little bit more information, episode 22. Next up, we had Gordon Campbell. And that was episode 23, and we really talked about leadership. Now, Gordon Campbell is, first of all, just an outstanding educational leader. Uh, He is now retired, but he was uh, working in schools in in the Winnipeg, Manitoba area for many years. We were speaking also about a book that he um, that he authored, and that I was just really fortunate enough to contribute uh, parts of a chapter uh, on, and that is around French immersion leadership. And so the things that I really loved out of Gordon Campbell that I will always remember was that he took this idea of culture and school culture and thought about it in different ways. He thought about it in the culture that, uh, that you create as a, as a school. Is it inclusive? Does it, does it reflect all of the community or the, the different people that you serve? And how do we make that come alive? He thought about culture from the arts. Uh, he was very involved in creating art, showcasing art, making art come alive in his school. And then the other thing that he really did well, and I am inspired by and um, just want to want to emulate, was this idea of visiting and interacting meaningfully with other cultures. Moving away from reading or learning about and moving to learning with. And so he took his students who were elementary students at that point, and he took them on cultural exchanges or just exchanges, one of which was to the north into a more remote indigenous community in Manitoba. And even though they were from the same province, that was very different. It was a different life and it was a different experience for his students. He also took them to China and That is inspiring to me that you would have from an early age um, such a meaningful cultural learning experience about the world. And so, uh, again, we talked a lot about French immersion and language learning and the importance of that. But we also talked about how culture uh, works in schools and how you might promote that. And I think that there's a little bit of everything, even if you're not into specifically French immersion. Next, uh, in early November... I was able to sit down with someone that I really respect, one of my good friends, Bryn Spence. 
and we talked about some of the things that we had encountered. It was more of a discussion episode around leadership, around working in schools, and some of the things that I really remember out of that conversation was talking with Bryn around behavior. So, Bryn is one of the people that I go to when I need to talk about inclusion and when I talk about students who are perhaps uh, encountering behavior difficulty. And and this idea of, you know, true differentiation and true inclusion, we are struggling with that still. And I was able to, with him, just kind of flesh out some of the ideas we were having around that. Also around behavior, when we're talking about uh, how do we support students who have perhaps challenging behavior, um, thoughts around you know baseline and, and expectations, and, and we really had I thought a, a good conversation around that, and we 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 referenced some of our uh, shared learning experiences, and we and we even reminisced from a time when we worked together uh, in a school with some. Um, some 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 students with a in a behavior program that was that was also really quite challenging. So um, again, if you want to talk about uh, or listen to um, some of that lived experience, especially around inclusion and behavior, uh, that was episode twenty four. In episode twenty five, I was really privileged to have John McGettigan on and speak to us around um, teachers as leading learners of teachers and also of the work he's doing around with consensus around citizenship. And so John McGettigan is the president of the Saskatoon Teachers Local um, of the Saskatchewan Teachers Federation. And he's essentially uh, a union president. But what's interesting is getting his perspective on really getting teachers to be in charge of teacher learning. We talked about the effect of having both administration and teachers inside of the same union or the same association. And we also talked, uh, which was really powerful, by the way, um, we talked a lot about what would the consequences be of that. We know that some of our colleagues in BC um, and other parts of the world, we don't have that. And we also talked about BC and Saskatchewan, how we do have a shared common association and, and, and what that means to collegiality and what that means to the people who are leading learning. We um, spoke a lot about uh, the consentus.org or consentus, which is um, some work that he's doing around citizenship. And it comes from a really great question. We have students coming from all over the world and they are coming to Canada. And there is a piece of how do we, what is, what is being Canadian? When we talk about citizenship education and what it means to live here, what should we base that on? What they have come up with a solution or an answer to that question is the Canadian Charter of Rights. And he's working with um, some judges in that area. And they've come up with some free resources for teachers in schools they can use around how to teach citizenship. What does it mean to be a good Canadian? What is our idea? And and he based it on the thing that we cannot uh, deviate from, and that's the, the, the Charter of Rights here in Canada. He also, we also got into a very interesting discussion um, when I asked him what was something that people pushed back on him. And what I love about John is he said it himself. He, he does have some consent, some uh, contentious viewpoints, which I love. And, and yeah, he was thinking, you know, what does it look like if we were to on-ramp and off-ramp some people um, into, the, and into and from the teaching profession? What would it look like if people, when they realized that you know what, the teaching profession is perhaps not for them? 
How might we help them to transition into a different career that is for them? And then there might be some people who have some skills that we need. And how do we on-ramp them into, on a fast-track basis, teaching, making sure that they've got all of the basis that we need? And so that was a great one. Number 26, or episode 26, came out in late November, and in that one, I was really privileged to have three of the authors of a book that I really like and I have been learning a lot from and uh, read, and now it has been, um, I have ingrained that in part of my, <laughs> my, my modus operandi, my everyday lived experience at teachers, uh, at schools, and that was The Third Path. So I was with uh, Dr. David Tranter, Lori Carson, and Tom Boland, and what I love really appreciated about them was the idea of relationships. If you've listened to this podcast, you know that the um, the concept or the importance of relationships has been brought up over and over again. And if you work in schools, you really know that relationships are the basis of learning. We talked about engagement previously, but engagement doesn't happen until you know your students. We've talked about so many different things. And they really come up with a way of thinking about relationships, a way of building relationships, and some steps, some hierarchical steps. So first do this, and then do this, make sure you've got this, and then this, uh, about what great schools based around relationships would look like. And so they outline all of those steps, which uh, are great. And then if you want further information on the third path, you can go to their website or you can go to their book. And in fact, they've even got these eight workbooks that working through the eight steps or the eight um, pieces of what they propose. Um, I learned a lot on that one. Like I said, uh, I think about how we build relationships and how it helps us with some of our most difficult students pretty much every day. After uh, the third path, I was uh, lucky enough to speak with Dr. Phil McRae, who is currently working uh, in the Alberta Teachers Association. And now I know it seems uh, kind of funny that I've got two different people or uh, kind of working for different teaching associations, but Phil comes at it from a very different perspective. And, and he looks um, uh, much more at uh, curriculum implementation as we are going through in Alberta. And we talked at length about what teachers in Alberta are hoping or wanting around the implementation of new curriculum that is coming down. So um, for those around the world, I know that you're probably looking at many different curriculum implementations all the time. It seems like uh, somewhere around every year, uh, there's another state or another province or another country that's trying out something new. And so he talked about what are the best ways when he asked teachers to implement that. He also talked about the influence of class size, and this has been a debate here, uh, not only in Alberta, but around the world, and um, there has been some conflicting research. Some people saying class size, you know, doesn't make a, a significant difference, and uh, some of the perspectives that Phil has been seeing is that, yes, it does make a difference. Uh, so we, we talked and flushed that out a little bit. And then the last bit that we talked about, which is another area uh, of real research for Phil, and he's been uh, published in the Washington Post and the New York Times um, on this subject is this this idea of technology, how it affects learning. And, and then we got into how it might be affecting the mental health of our students, um, especially the younger students who, for the first generation that we have ever seen, have um, 
ubiquitous access to smartphones and social media and what the effects of that might be. And we talked a little bit about um, Gene Twenge and, and, and the iGen generation, the iGen book, and some of the research coming out of that. And, and really, um, I felt that was fascinating. I felt it was three, three real themes that are, that are affecting teachers, I think, all over today. And that's you know when we come up with new curriculum, uh, when we're dealing with so many kids, what does it look like? And then lastly, um, the technology piece. Number 28 was uh, Ramona Bighead. And um, not every episode that I do has such a personal emotive impact. And number 28, um, when I spoke with Ramona, um, I mean, I listen to that episode now and I still still get some pangs of, of emotion. And she spoke real. Um, she spoke to us in a real way about the effects of residential schools, which is another way of saying the effects of colonialism. And she talked about that so that we would understand, so that perhaps more people might understand this idea of why it is important to, 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 to teach Indigenous perspectives, why it's important to understand um, what has happened in, pre- in the past, but what, here's what I love is that she really talked about moving forward. And, and she had this, this great perspective about what we might do today, the first tiny step to say, hey, um, we know these people uh, here, the Indigenous um, perspective is now being mandated, and she was really strong on that. You know, it's law, you have to. And if you don't know how, she offered some first steps into how you might incorporate that into your teaching and, and, and how you might make that a meaningful part of, of, of what it looks like in schools. We, we know that in Canada right now, um, as well as some other uh, former colonies, especially in the Commonwealth, uh, countries are dealing with this. They are, they are, they are trying to right some, some past wrongs. And, um, and here in Canada, the um, Truth and Reconciliation Commission and the calls to action have really been a wake-up call for us. And, and education is now there. So if you, if you are still unsure when someone says, uh, what is colonialism, or someone starts talking about uh, Indigenous perspectives, or you're not quite sure uh, why residential schools might have a, a generational long-lasting effect, please listen to my conversation with Ramona Bighead. Number 29, I was very happy to speak with Jennifer Waring, and she's an instructional coach um, in, in the area, not in the same school division where, where I live, but in this area. Now, what I love about Jennifer is that some people just, they, they just can't oralize what it means and the power of a great instructional coach. And, and Jen just has this nailed. She, she really just talks about this underlying philosophy that, that, that speaks to what I hope for, and, and I've been privileged to work with some amazing instructional coaches. But when she speaks about that, she just, she just nails it. She, uh, I just, you know, oh yeah, that, that's how I would say it. And so uh, we talk at length about how we might help teachers become better at their craft, how um, it, the best instructional coaching comes from not only the teachers, but is based in their strengths 
it um, is relational based and how um, the trust is built between the instructional coach and the teacher and how that relationship strengthens the quality of teaching. And so we had, uh, like I said, a really good conversation. And I think that anyone who is unsure of the instructional coaching role or who just needs a little bit of a pick-me-up, because sometimes it can get a bit old. We're saying, ah, man, this instructional coaching thing, we've done that. We've, we've been there. Um, it, it, it really wakes it up and uh, you come away with, with a renewed energy. Our last episode of the year, uh, number 30, was my anti-resolution episode, or what I call the anti-resolution episode. And it was based on the idea that I really don't find resolutions any good. And and you know what? Neither does the research. The research kind of shows that by February, most people have abandoned them and they've just gone back to exactly what they do. So if we're not going to have a big, massive change that we do all at once... Um, how do we get better? Uh, because I'm not saying that we shouldn't. What I'm proposing is the way to get better is in fact a series of small changes over time. And what I did was I asked some of our previous guests to share some of their ideas around what's a small step that one might make to reach a larger goal. So yet, yeah, here's the goal. And what might we first do to to achieve that? How might we become a better teacher? How might we um, become a, a better professional? And I was just amazed with the response I got. I was amazed with the answers that people gave or the, the suggestions people gave. And I think that if, uh, if you're sitting here in early January when this is coming out and you're thinking about, hmm, what's the next thing? What's something I might do? You're needing a little bit of inspiration. I think that that one might be a great place to start. So, that is the summary and review. Um, this is a whole idea that uh, if something caught your eye, if you're uh, interested in something, uh, go back, uh, listen to that episode. And uh, we talked about number 21 through 30. We are so excited. I'm personally so excited because we've already got some some great interviews in the pipe. And um, as the, the, the weeks come, uh, I, I'm really excited to share that with you and the world. I just think that the uh, strength of our, uh, of our episodes is, is just so strong. I'm uh, consistently thankful uh, uh, for the people that, that, that agree to come on our podcast and just say and help us to, to get better at teaching and to get better at learning. So that's, uh, uh, like I said, it's an exciting year coming. And if you would like to review and go back and listen to some of our previous episodes, hopefully we've given you just a little bit of snapshot, whet your appetite uh, to go back and to listen to those. If you want to look at our website, that's another way that you can do that. That is at intersectioneducation.com. The uh, other place that we're going to start posting a lot more information is on my personal website, which is at coreyhaley.com. We're going to start cross-posting there. And um, you can also get us on Twitter, which is at intersectioned or at coreyhaley.com. Haley, that's C-O-R-E-Y-H-A-L-E-Y on on the Twitter verse. So I hope you uh, continue listening. I hope you are enjoying your uh, your uh, your listening and the lessons that are coming from that. And we we know that we will uh, hear from you soon. We always appreciate it. Any feedback? Uh, have a great rest of the year. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Intersection Education Podcast. 
before you go, I'd like to recognize that the land where this interview took place is a sacred place that has a long history of human existence. This land has helped people like the Cree, Salto, Nisitapi or Blackfoot, Métis, and Nakota Sioux live well for thousands of years. Let us continue to live well and respect this land.